Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I am really excited about this message. You know, it's been such an interesting time for all of us in this uh, quarantine, and I'm really thankful that we're able to take some steps back toward normal. You know, it's been a time of learning a lot about myself, and I, I th- I'm as thankful as I am for technology and all of the things that digital media has brought to our lives. It's really made us a lot simpler in a lot of ways. I, I realize there's some things that I really miss to have just tangibly, you know, like for me, friendships, like I, w- I don't just want to look at somebody on a screen. I, I want to be in a room with someone and be able to laugh with them and hang out with them and play basketball. I love doing all that stuff in person. And honestly, to me, as much as a blessing as the screens and technology have been, there's some things in life I just prefer to have non-screen, non-technology. And one of them for me is just when I read the Bible. I don't know what it is. I think it's because I'm on a screen all day, especially during the quarantine, like I'm on a screen all day. And so there's something so incredibly uh, removing myself. It's so incredible about just removing myself from technology for a little bit, just to read God's word. And, and you know, it's so interesting. A couple months ago, I was reading in this physical Bible and something happened to me that could never happen on a Bible app. I actually got a paper cut on my Bible. Yeah, and when you're a preacher, and you get a paper cut on your Bible, I just got to tell you exactly what's going on in your mind. The first words that come to mind are exactly this, that'll preach. (laughs) In fact, you could put it in the chat if you're feeling me on this, that'll preach. You get a paper cut on the Bible, I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know what series it's gonna use, but somehow that will preach. And, uh, and so sure enough, Pastor Joe and Joe Jr., uh, they told me that they were gonna be starting a series called Paper Cuts, and I was like, perfect. And my wife the other day, you know, she was asking me, what's this whole message, what's this series about? And I said, well, it's on the Bible. And she said, well, thank you, um, but every message is on the Bible. And I said, uh-uh because I have to win an argument when I'm in my, with my wife. I, I can't leave it to chance. I said, no, every message is from the Bible, but not every message is on the Bible. And this whole series is all about that. We are diving into understanding scripture and it's called the Bible, it's called the word of God. And we're really trying to understand the impact it can have on our lives. I love what Hebrews 4.12 says. It's our theme verse for this. And so they're gonna pull it up. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. In other words, the word of God is powerful. It's alive, it's active. It's not like every other book we read. There's this ability when you read the Bible, it's actually like reading you. And so it's so poignant, it's so accurate, it's so sharp that it can cut between all of the mess in our world and it can speak directly to where we are. And so this whole series is about the Bible. And I'm so excited for the four weeks of it. It's going to be an incredible series. But today, as I begin the series, I have to let you know up front, I have a problem with authority. In fact, that's today's message title. Go ahead and put it in the chat. Help me out here. I have a problem with authority. Now, for those of you who know me, you know, it's not that I'm rebellious. I'm not naturally a rebellious type. I have friends who are kind of just, they like to push the envelope just because it can be pushed. I'm not that way. I I like rules. In fact, if I don't sense enough rules, I'll create my own 
and then follow them. <laughs> like I just, I really like rules. Um, you know, I, I, that's not my problem with authority. It's not that I have problems submitting to authority. For me, my problem with authority could probably best be illustrated through my relationship with my daughter. You know, I have a 16 month old daughter and uh, she's incredible. But one of the things I've realized is that one-year-olds are terrible decision makers. They are just bad at making decisions. In fact, if you were to look at a montage of our lives right now, it's us doing these super close calls where we're saving her from jumping off of a staircase or you know, stopping her right before she eats rocks or whatever the case may be. Any of you who have kids, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, we've had to introduce this new word to our vocabulary that we didn't have to use in her first year of life. And that's the word, no. Now I've also realized that my definition of no and my daughter's definition of no must be completely different. Because when I say no, I'm assuming that it means stop, don't, desist. But when she hears no, it's like an invitation to do the very thing that I told her not to do. When I say no to her, she gets a big smile on her face and then she does the very thing I told her not to. And I think that's my problem with authority. It's not that I have a problem submitting to authority. It's like, no, stop, don't. It, it, my authority's broken. Like I've got a problem with my authority. And I, I think so many of us, this is probably our problem with authority. When we look at our lives, when we look at kind of the scope of what we touch in our life, it, we have a problem taking power and taking control in our lives, even in our thought life. When you think about our thought life, you know, for some of us, our thought life is so overwhelming. We are so inundated with worry and problems and stress, and we just can't even stop ourselves. We can't turn it off. It keeps us up at night. I mean, we are just in no, uh, we have no power or authority over our minds. Some of us, it's addiction. And I think in this quarantine, we've probably seen a spike in certain addictive behaviors. Alcohol sales have gone through the roof. And I just think some of us are addicted to things and the very things that we're addicted to are the very things we don't wanna be addicted to. We don't wanna live that kind of life. We don't wanna be just somebody who's just always angry. That's not our hope for our life. That's not our goal, but we feel like we have a problem with authority. We have no ability to stop ourselves from doing the very things we don't wanna do. For some of us, it's our relationships. You know, we, we think about how we interact with others and we're constantly just uh, not the type of person we wanna be, or we have all of these goals of change we wanna bring to our world. And maybe their prayers we're praying for others and we're seeing nothing happen. And we're, we feel like every time we take a step for God or we wanna take a step for God, we get so discouraged that we, do, we just give up. And so we feel like I've got no power. I've got no authority over my life. And it's our problem with authority. And no matter what type of authority problem you have, I wanna let you know the answer's up front because I was the type of guy that always liked when a teacher or professor said, hey, I'm giving you a test, but I'm gonna give you the answers before we take the test. It's open book or you know, something like that. Those were my kind of teachers, okay? Uh, and, and so I wanna give you the answers to the test before we ever take it, okay? Here's the answer for the problem with authority you have in your life. It's the word of God. It's the voice of God, it's scripture, it's the Bible. I love what Paul wrote to his person named Timothy. It was a, his guy he was mentoring. And Timothy is this young guy, but he's got a lot of responsibility. And, and Paul is writing to Timothy and, and he's trying to help him keep his mind in the right place. 
And this is what he says to him in verse 14. He says, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, look, it's not always the flashy or the new or the novel that will bring real authority or power or breakthrough in your life. Sometimes it's remaining faithful to the things you know to do. It's remaining faithful to the scriptures that you've learned. But really, I think this is where some of our problem with authority shows up. Because when you were growing up, for some of you, you were taught the scriptures from childhood just like Timothy was, but it didn't leave a good taste in your mouth. Maybe you couldn't really trust the people that brought it down to you or handed it to you. And maybe there was just this one phrase that always got in the way of you having a good time or you enjoying your life. Maybe you can identify with this, for the Bible tells me so. Some of you grew up singing that song, for the Bible tells me so. And, and why can't I do this, mom? Because the Bible tells us so. Why can't I go here and hang out with this? Because the Bible tells me so. And so many of us, that phrase or that idea was such a limitation to us. Now, if you were to actually go back and look at your childhood or how you grew up, you could probably discover that some of that actually wasn't just the Bible. That was like your parents' background, or maybe they were reacting to how their parents raised them, or maybe it was a tradition of their church. But either way, the, the book that you learned from childhood, the voice of God, the word of God in your life, once you realize that when I grow up, I don't have to actually submit to that anymore, it was very liberating for you. It was one of those things where you realized, wait, I don't have to do it because the Bible tells me to. That's the book of my childhood, but I'm not gonna allow that to dictate my life today. That's your problem with authority. Why would I give my life to something that just caused me to lose out and miss out on so much life? Some of you, you didn't grow up with it in your childhood, but you just view it as a children's book, right? Like. It's this mythological, religious, fairy tale kind of thing that maybe was good for society at one point as we evolved and you know we needed kind of some crutches to handle the harshness of reality. And, but we've progressed and we've realized that most of the things in that book are outdated, irrelevant, and maybe at worst oppressive, hateful, judgmental, and so I, I know for some of us, maybe it's just the problem with authority is all about making an authority in your life something that you just think is completely irrelevant, outdated or oppressive. And if that's you, I totally understand where you're coming from. You know, as we dive into this today, my heart is really this. I, I'm gonna spend a little bit of time showing you why we can actually rely on this book, the, the word of God, the voice of God in our lives. And I'm hoping to prove to you that it's a, a reliable thing. It's a credible thing, but I know probably with the amount of time we have, I, I can't prove to you. I can't make you just believe that this is actually the way God chose to reveal himself to humanity. But I, I hope to, in this time, maybe make you want it to be true, even if you're not sure if it is. Because more than I hope to introduce you to the authority of scripture, I hope to introduce you to the author of scripture. I hope to introduce you to the good heavenly father who loves you so much. And he loved us enough to give himself to us and to make known his ways. And so today that's my hope. And so I'm gonna kind of talk about both of those things, but 
as we get into this question of, can we actually trust the Bible? Can we actually rely on the Bible? You know, a lot of times there's this thought and you'll, you'll hear about this a lot on Reddit or on popular websites. And it's just kind of this thought, like, haven't we pretty much proved that the Bible is just a, it's just a copycat of other religions or it's, it's kind of just this outdated manuscript. And so I wanna kind of break down, why do Christians, people who follow Jesus, why do we subscribe to the authority of this book? Why do we believe it's credible? And I wanna start with, even if you don't believe it's inspired, there are some things that you can actually know about this uh, piece of uh, literature. It's 66 different books. Some of them are letters to people. Some of them are prophetic writings. Some of them are ancient biographies. Uh, Some of them are just poetry. And so they're all a little bit different, but what you can know is that even if you just didn't assume that they were inspired, even if you just looked at them from from a history lens, there's incredible things you can discover about the Bible. First is, out of many things in ancient history, this is one of the best attested pieces of work in ancient history. What does that mean? It means that when we're trying to study events that happened in the past, it's almost impossible to prove that an event actually happened. Now, we certainly believe that things happen. We believe Abraham Lincoln was the president of the United States, but it's hard to actually prove it. And so what you're doing is you're looking through a lens of context and historical method to try and discover what is the evidence that this stuff took place. And so you're looking for the amount of manuscripts that are on something. You're looking for how close it was to the actual date of the event. And here's what's so cool about the Bible is that the Bible stacks up better than any other book in ancient history. We have so many manuscripts of the Bible that are dated very close to when the events are said to have taken place. And here's what's so cool about that is that we can actually trace the lineage of the Bible all the way back to within a decade or two of when the events of these transpired, specifically with the New Testament. Out of the 138,000 words in the New Testament, don't worry, I didn't go through and count them all. I just trusted somebody else. There's 138,000 words in the New Testament. Did you know that all but 1,400 of them are very well established? In other words, we know who the author is and we know what they were trying to say. That means that there's 1400 words, about 1% of it that we're not exactly sure on. And here's what's so cool about that is that they're all trivial. They're not huge to the context of the book. And it's amazing to know, here's what this actually means. It means that today when you pick up your Bible, you can know with great certainty that when you're reading the book of Romans, you are reading the book or the letter that Paul wrote to the church nearly 2000 years ago. It gives you this incredible confidence now you may not hear this about hear about this on the popular level, but on the scholarly level, this is the case. Look what Craig L. Blomberg says. He's a scholar of New Testament studies, and he said uh, that almost no one denies. This is in the scholarly community. Almost no one denies that highly accurate texts of what the four evangelists originally wrote. That's the Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Originally wrote have been preserved. The controversy today centers on whether or not what they wrote was true. That is a valid or faithful record of the events. So you gotta hear what he's saying here. He's saying, look, 99% of what we know is it's been established. We see it, we can believe it. So that's helpful when it comes to, um, you know, Muslims or Mormons would claim that the Bible has been corrupted, that we can no longer know what the original authors meant. What's great is we know, no, this is written by Paul and it was written probably in like 50 AD in certain of these letters. And here's what he was trying to say. Now here's what Dr. Blomberg is saying. He's saying, just because we have a lot of copies of it and just because we know it's what they actually wrote, doesn't mean it's true. (laughs) That's a good point. 
And so as Christians, we're not saying that just because we have a lot of copies that we know it's true that way. But here's what's so cool is even if you were to look at the, the gospels and the New Testament, even if you were to just look at it as a piece of historical evidence, you didn't assume it was inspired. You didn't believe that God handed these things to these guys or that he spoke through them. Even if you didn't look at it that way, there are a lot of incredible things throughout history that you could actually develop and understand based on not just scripture, but the surrounding things around it. Here's what I mean. Christianity is much different than other religions in that it is a, it is a religion that is based in history. We don't make claims that are outside of history. We make philosophical and spiritual claims, of course, but truly what Christians are doing is we're saying, hey, there are some crazy, amazing events that took place and there are things that you need to reckon with. And so even if you don't assume the Bible is inspired, you can still figure out that Jesus made claims that he was the son of God, the divine son of God. You can still figure out that Jesus was crucified. First of all, that Jesus existed, but let's just, that's taken for granted. That Jesus had a burial in a tomb, that that tomb was then found empty, and that Jesus' followers, over 500 of them, claimed to have seen the risen Jesus after that and were so convinced that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead that it completely transformed their life and all of history. You don't even have to believe the Bible is inspired to recognize that those are the evidences of history. And to me, if that is true, then there is a second look that is warranted for you. Maybe you've thrown the Bible away and you've said, ah, this is nothing. This is a children's book. But no, if those events are credibly attested through historical method, then maybe they deserve a second look. Now, here's what I know. I know that that's a lot of information. I really wasn't even able to go beyond the surface with it. But in my observation, I've found that people typically don't believe something simply because they researched all the sources and they found out its credibility and reliability. You know why I think that? Because I see so many students, I talk to them and I'll say, hey man, what's going on in your world? And they're saying, oh, I got all these different things. And this person was telling me to do this. And I was thinking, this is how you could approach this area of life. And I'm like, dude, that sounds like terrible advice. Where did you hear that? And they're like, well, I follow this person on YouTube. And I'm like, you mean that guy that's filming in his basement with a green screen behind him and doesn't have any credentials or you're just gonna trust your life to that guy because he's got 10,000 views. <laughs> and before we get too harsh on students, let's be honest, we all do this, right? How many of us have had a friend's cousin who had a mom's uncle who works for the CSI or, you know, for uh, the FBI and they have these inside scoops on the quarantine and then the governor comes out like the next day and says something completely different. We all know that, like, right? Like I got a nurse who's a friend with this. It's like, okay, you, you just believed it because you saw it on Facebook or you saw it on Fox or CNN or how about this one, WebMD? That's become your authority. <laughs> And look, I'm, I'm such a big fan of YouTube and Google and WebMD. Well, kind of a WebMD. I wish you'd just actually go to a doctor. But I'm like such a big fan of all these things. Uh, psychology today, like they're great. But if they're the authority for your life, is it any wonder that you're still struggling with the same things you've been struggling with before? 
You're going after the flashy. And I just think we're not choosing these sources because they're so credible. No, we're choosing them because they, they fit our worldview. They're choosing, we're choosing them because it, it's comfortable for us. It's a confirmation of what we already believe. And I found that more often people are rejecting the Bible, not because they don't think it's historically accurate or they don't, maybe they, that would be the reason you would give. And maybe you've even said that, but I found that more often it's because it doesn't fit our worldview. A lot of times we're asking life's toughest questions and we're looking for all these answers. And then the word of God, it gives us this answer, but we don't like the answer. So we're like, oh, that can't be it. I think that happens more than we realize. I can just speak to my own life. There are many times, and this is why it's called paper cuts. There are many times as I read the scriptures where it violates my desires. It, cut against, it cuts against the grain of my heart. You know, there, there are so many ways that I love people. And I, but the truth is, I'm honestly more of a guy that loves people from like 30,000 feet. I love masses of people, or I, I love to think about what, how the world could be a better place. I love all of that. But to be honest, I get so uncomfortable when I read the scriptures where Jesus says, hey, look, when you love someone, I want you to be so in uh, serving in them and loving them that you actually wash their feet. And I want you to love them so much that you would be willing to give them the clothes off your back. Like those are the verses that when I read those, I get uncomfortable every time. And I've been a Christian for a long time. I've read through those verses a lot of times and there's still something inside of me that just cuts against that. See, I think a lot of times the reason we don't like this is because the word of God or the scriptures, they say something that cuts against our morality or our sexual ethic, or how about this, how we approach our money. And so we just say, well, I, I'm over that. Look at what Paul says though, as he writes to Timothy. This is why I think it's so crucial. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Pay attention to that word. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The word of God is a foundation for rightness and wrongness. And I know this cuts against our philosophy of the day. And if there's one phrase I could use that would probably sum up the way our culture thinks the most, it's simply this, live your truth. Have you ever heard that one before? Maybe you've said it, it shows up all the time. You'll see all kinds of people mention it. It's this idea, live your truth. And I don't know if we understand what we're saying when we say live your truth. Because so many of us, our truth is messed up. Are you really gonna say to Hitler, live your truth? Are you gonna really say to somebody who has racist ideology, live your truth? Do you really wanna say to someone who's sexist or who has been oppressing others, live your truth? Who's been abusing, live your truth? No, why? Because their truth is their preference. Their preference is a terrible thing for others. So many of us say, live your truth. And I think what we actually mean by this is just don't tell me what to do. We're looking for personal autonomy. We, we wanna call the shots in our lives. And so in order for us to say that, we have to be able to say that people can do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, as long as I get to do the same. But see what that does is it robs us of a foundation to make the active changes we need to make in the world. 
See, there are true injustices that are taking place. There are true abuses that are taking place. There are true, uh, just terrible evil practices that are happening all around the world right now. And instead of to them saying, live your truth, what we need to say is live according to the truth. Don't live your truth. Your truth is messed up. Live according to the truth. See, the foundation we have for justice is something that goes above all society, all culture, all personal preference. It's only found in God alone. See, the foundation we have for justice is a God who is just. He's a God who sees every detail of all humanity. He gets to see all the nuance, all the complexity. And yet throughout all of it, he has the wisdom to still be just in those moments. And so if we build justice on any other foundation than on scripture's authority, on the authority of the creator himself, then we will never have a sure foundation. The change you wanna make in the world, it comes because you have an authority. The, the way I would say it is the key to walking in authority is actually walking under authority. As much as we try to live for autonomy and doing whatever we want, I think sometimes it's a misplaced desire. I think instead of trying to rid ourselves of all restraint, we should begin to ask, what are the highest restraints? What are the restraints that will create the most good, not only in our world, but in the world around us? This is where the authority comes in. And please hear me on this. Jesus did not come as just a good teacher. He did not come as just a spiritual sage. He made a very important claim. He made a claim that he is a king, that is bringing a kingdom. Now you can choose not to follow Jesus. Trust me, I, if you're not a Christian, you don't have to subscribe to the Bible. You don't have to make it your authority. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you have become a willing worshiper. You have become somebody that has died to yourself so that you can live according to the heart of your king. But here's what's so amazing about that is that this king is a good king. Everywhere he goes, he brings light. Everywhere he goes, he brings life. It doesn't matter what sickness, what darkness, what death, what decay, what sin, what evil stands in his way, wherever he is, that stuff disappears. That's the king we serve. It's a God of love. It's a king of justice, a king of grace and mercy. And so for us, if we want to live not only in a way that serves uh, ourselves the best, where we can have a clear mind and an authority in our mind and, and authority in our own hearts, but in a way that actually serves the world in the best way, it starts by submitting to a king. But I love this because Paul, as he writes to Timothy, he says, look, this, this word of God, it is not just a book. It's not just these things that are set in stone. It is something that is so much more powerful than that. It is actually inspired. There is power in the very voice and words of God. 
And I love this. This is so cool to me because that means that as much as it's awesome to have people up here like Pastor Joe and myself who teach you and and love to do that, it's something that God put in place to have teachers who help explain what's in here. As much as I love that and appreciate that, what I love even more is that even if you just choose to get into the word of God, to hear the voice of God in your life through his word, you will be transformed. I love this story. I heard it from Pastor David Platt. He's an author and a pastor and He had a missionary friend who was going to a specific country and he would go into these cities and towns and he'd hand out New Testaments, you know, the Bible. He'd hand them out to people and there was this guy sitting in one of the towns and he said, hey, that looks like a good book. It has nice pages. Those would actually make great pages to roll up into cigarettes. Can I have one? (laughs) And uh, the missionary's like, "Um, well, sure. Yeah, you can have one. But here's the deal, before you roll it and smoke it, I want you to read it. (laughs) I'm not saying it's the best evangelistic approach ever. I'm just saying it's what he did, okay? And so he gives the guy the Bible and the guy's like, wait, you're gonna just give this to me? All I gotta do before I smoke it is read it? And the guy's like, "Uh, sure, I guess. So he goes on to another city, goes on to another village, comes back a few weeks later, sees the guy, says, hey, You've been doing what I asked you to do. You kept you up your part of the deal. And the guy said, well, I read and smoked my way through Matthew. I read and smoked my way through Mark and Luke. I read and smoked my way up to John 3, 16, where it said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. And everything made sense to me. That man today is training to become a pastor. And I love that story because it illustrates the power of God's voice. Some of you are looking for the newest and the flashiest and the novel, but Paul would just say to you, would you just remain faithful to what you've been taught? Would you hold to the voice of God above everything else? Would you submit to the authority of God above everything else? Because if you submit to that authority, there is power to transform your world. I love how he finishes this little paragraph to Timothy. He says, God's word, his voice, the thing that teaches us to do right and wrong in verse 17, he says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God has a good work that he is doing in the world. And he has good works that he wants you to be in on. He's got good works that he's set aside for you to do. But some of us, because we have never actually submit to the authority of his word, we're having trouble actually walking out the authority of his will. And I think personally in my life, the way this has happened throughout the years, it's been many ways, but I know for me, sin was a big one. You know, The apostle Paul, he writes, he says that if we wanna run the race God has for us, we have to let go of those sins that would cling to us and would try and stop us from doing it. And and for me personally, this was sexual sin. As a young man who I would say lived in a pretty sexually saturated culture, the world around us is pretty sexually saturated. I, I was somebody who was deeply bound by lust, pornography, And I was a virgin, but I wasn't pure. 
And if you've ever had an addiction like that, you know that there's moments where you feel amazing and then there's moments where you feel like you're hopeless. Like you're never gonna get through it. And I can't tell you how many times I would cry out to God and say, God, help me with this. I don't wanna be this way. I know this is killing my heart. I know it's killing my ability to someday love a wife. Even though I'm, not, I'm single right now, I know it's hurting my future kids. I know that you wanna do more through me in ministry or in the world. And I know this is that shadow side. This is that darkness that's eating away at me. Help. And I, I think back to how God intervened in my life. I know for me, there was some huge steps that I had to take. I mean, I had to get people in my corner, no doubt. I had to get, I mean, I got my dad, talk about an awkward conversation with your dad. I, I had to get uh, my pastor. I had to get even my boss at one point. I mean, I just had to get everybody in my corner helping me walk this out. But you know, there was this breakthrough moment for me. There was this turning point moment because I realized that Jesus, when he was on earth, he was, it's, the Bible says this, the word of God says this, that he was actually faced with every temptation known to man, and yet he didn't sin. And I began to think, man, how, how, how did Jesus, how did you do that? Because that means that he was tempted with sexual sin and he didn't, he didn't give up, he didn't give in. I said, how did you do it? And I began to study when Jesus was tempted. And there's one great example in Matthew chapter four. It's when Satan is tempting Jesus and he's at the end of a 40 day fast and he's trying to tempt him with all kinds of stuff, with power, with uh, provision, with all kinds of things. And you know what Jesus does in that moment? He doesn't say, hey, I'm God, get away. You know how Jesus combated the enemy in his life? He said, it is written. Jesus used the scriptures. He used the voice of God as a sword to defend against the enemy. And I began to think, well, gee, if Jesus did it, I think I should do it. And so I, I started to just memorize scripture. Now I had been the kind of guy that would memorize a verse or two here or there, but I just said, no, you know, I need like a lot. So I took Ephesians 5. If you're looking for, if you're somebody who struggled with something similar to what I've struggled with, Ephesians 5 is a great place to start because it talks about how to walk in love with one another, even in sexual areas. And so I began to memorize, I'm talking the whole chapter. <laughs> and I would just do it verse by verse, day by day, grow it a little bit more. Eventually I got to Ephesians 5. I was like, hey, that was pretty cool. Let me get Ephesians 6. And I, that's an incredible resource as well. It talks about the armor of God and how we fight battles spiritually. And then I was like, well, that's pretty amazing. I went to Philippians 1 and Philippians 2, and I started memorizing these chapters. And here's what's so amazing is that when temptation would come, because temptation still can come, even when you have the word of God inside of you. But when, when temptation would come, instead of feeling like I was getting beaten up and getting my brains, you know, beaten in, it was something so incredible. I would just begin to quote Ephesians 5 and I would just start with verse one. I just keep working my way. And what's so amazing is as I would say it, I felt this strength on the inside of me that it was not from me. It was an authority that didn't come with Ryan. It came with my king. It came with the Lord of all creation, the one who, when he speaks, he brings universes into existence. It was his voice inside of me. And when I began to speak that out, I began to feel like I was the one doing bully beatdown. And I just felt like, no, I'm gonna keep going. I don't even feel tempted anymore, but I'm just gonna keep rubbing it in the enemy's face because I'm not stuck with this anymore. I've got authority. 
The key to walking in authority is walking under authority. I really believe that today, that God, who is a good God, in fact, the way he describes himself to the people that follow him is a father, a good father. I really believe that today God is inviting you into relationship with him through his word. Now that's not the only way that we connect to God. We connect to God through so many other avenues, but one of the most powerful and revealing ways that you will get to know God is through his word. And I really sense this, that some of you have cast off the Bible or the word of God because you've been so offended by it. And I totally understand because there are offensive things in it, at least at first glance. And, and I think you should definitely talk that through with somebody of faith and somebody who's wrestled through those things. I've wrestled through a lot of that myself. But I really believe that today God is inviting you to know him, even if you don't have it all figured out. Christians, it is not our obligation to do a quiet time or to read the Bible. It is not something we check off a list so we can fulfill it and make God happy with us. It is our very chance to meet with our father, to get to know him, to spend time with him, to fall more in love with him. And Jesus said, whoever abides in me, they'll be fruitful. Whoever abides in my word, when they pray prayers, it will bear fruit. They'll get what they ask for. Why? Because as we grow and abide in him, we become more like him. We become more aligned with his heart and we gain more authority over the world in our own life and in a way that serves others. And the key to authority is learning to submit to the right authority. Would you pray with me? No matter where you are, if you're on a phone or a laptop or on your TV, would you just close your eyes in this moment and just make this a moment between you and God? There are some of us, I wanna to speak to you first Christians, people who are followers of Jesus. There are some of us who have, we have called ourselves Christians, but we've wanted to do it outside the authority of God's word. We've, we've wanted to just do it based on what feels best with our experience, but we've never actually let the word of God offend us. And therefore we've never actually let it transform us. And I just want you to know that God's grace is, today is just hopefully drawing you to say, hey, come learn from me. God would never ask something from us unless he had something better for us. Now he does ask something from us. He might even ask us for our whole life, but it will always be a bargain in comparison to what we receive because we will always get him in return. For some of you, this is kind of new, but as you've been listening, as you've been hearing, it's, there's almost like a conversation going on between you and God right now. And you might even be fighting it or you might just be saying, you know what, I need this. But I believe that the love of God is so strong that he would draw you right here, right now. Even if you're watching this years from the original date of recording, I really believe that God is drawing you to himself because he loves you. And he's not a harsh master, he's a loving father. 
but he is going to ask you for everything. He's going to say, are you willing to put it all on the table? Are you willing to give it all to me? Jesus said, if you give me your life, I'll give you true life. And it's the most beautiful thing. And so many of you have have done this, but I wanna give an invitation today to enter into life in the kingdom of God. Now, yes, you have to give up your right. You have to give up your right to be right. But I really believe that if you are willing to be born again into the kingdom of God, it's not something you earn, it's just an act of faith. I believe that God can transform you and give you the authority you've been looking for in your mind. Maybe it's gonna be a process in your heart. Maybe it's gonna be a process and even in the world around you. And maybe that will be a process too, but God is not just looking to get you into heaven. He's looking to get heaven into your world right now. And so I'm gonna invite you to make Jesus the king of your life. And as we pray a prayer together, I really believe that it is a miraculous prayer. It is a supernatural prayer, a prayer that helps us to become born again into the kingdom of God, where we receive eternal life, yes, but that eternal life starts right now. And so if you wanna be born again into the kingdom of God, if you wanna make Jesus the king of your life, then let's pray this together. And I don't care if you're in a restaurant, I don't care if you're in your car, you know, hopefully you're not distracting yourself while driving. I don't care if you're at home with your family. I don't care if there's people around. I want you to repeat this after me, pray it from your heart and know that it is by faith that God will save you today. He will transform your life. He will make you a new person. He will bring his light and his life to all the areas of darkness and brokenness in you. And it may be a process, but he is going to bring heaven to you in your world. And then he's eventually someday gonna bring you into heaven and is the most powerful thing. So if that's you, would you pray aloud with me, say it from your heart and believe that God is going to save you today. Let's say this together, church, no one prays alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up, but right now I make a decision, a commitment to follow you. You get to call the shots now. I give you my life. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and you rose again so I could have life in you. Thank you. If you prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time, or maybe you, this is a moment for you to recalibrate. We are so excited for you. I mean, we really are. We really believe that this is the beginning of the rest of your life. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.